Yeah. So, hey, do you go? Do you go apple picking? Wow. Do I go apple picking? Like, does you, your I have family been, apple pickers? Been apple picking. When's the last time you went? Maybe three years ago. Oh. Yeah. What's new in the world of apple picking? It sounds like you're a pro. No, I mean we're we're I we're for a while there we'd go every once in a while, but I think the last this will be the third year in a row where we've consistently gone and gone to the same place. Okay. So what would you if you can recall? I'm I'm guessing like when you went two or three years ago, it uh-huh. was with your family. Yes. So what was the worst part of apple picking? Hmm. The worst part of apple picking was inevitably once we got through the gate and everything and are out there, then the kids had to go to the bathroom. So then we had to, yeah. you know, head all the way back up front. Go to the bathroom. Find porta like, potties. Yeah. They're tired of, my kids often got tired of walking. Like they didn't want to walk anymore. And it's like, that's, <laughs> that's what this is about. Now you are allowed to drive your car what? through the entire orchard. Hmm. It's a, a, a drive through apple picking experience. So can yeah. you reach out the windows? You could can, can you pick. You could. But I mean, it's not really advantageous not to do okay. that. So, yeah, you just drive around and it just completely okay. solves. So, like, if they're tired of walking, it's like, OK, stay in the car. You're, you're done. It's game changing. It's game changing <laughs> here. Now, does this place have multiple types of apples? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, they've got your 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 Granny Smith. They got sure. Yellow Delicious, Red Delicious, which I think are the worst apples. Totally. But I do know people who love Red Delicious apples, which is I don't understand. I mean, it tastes disgusting to me. Um, <laughs> I think that's because that's what I was forced to eat much of my like childhood yeah. growing up. Well, I don't think they had the good apples when we were growing up, like Honeycrisp, which is hands down. Yeah, that's a good question. Apple. Were there Honeycrisp, or did our parents just not buy us Honeycrisp? No, there there weren't. Okay. There was some farmer that worked on crossbreeding different apple types for a long time until he discovered Honeycrisp. I'm going to believe that. Even if it might not be true, <laughs> I'm going to believe that some... This is risky. I'm, I'm kind of spouting the facts here on the podcast. podcast. Hopefully no one fact checks me. Yeah. No one's going to Google. But the moral of the story is it's not like we just missed them. Yeah. Okay. They, they weren't around. Like we just had crappy apples growing up. Yeah. So we're talking to Aaron. Yeah. We're talking to Aaron Burns. Mr. Most Athletic himself. Yeah. Another good episode. I mean, this is hard. This is really hard because we can't really say a lot because we don't want to give it away. Like, you should listen to the episode. So then we just end up saying it's a good one. Right. So Aaron, I think, was well-known in our high school. He's very athletic, but he's quiet. And I think that this was a great opportunity to hear him talk and hear him tell a story. Well said. So speaking of which, this is 20-year reunion. And I'm David Roush. You took back the control. I'm still Paul Cifuentes. I mean, I said it last time, and and now you that's that true. Was too much for you, and you've got to snatch back that control. It's fine. There's got to be limits somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Don't let it go to my head. <laughs> I like dumb apples. <laughs> oh. oh, we should get to this episode. Yeah, let's go ahead and run it. Aaron Burns, how are you? I am well, sir. Very well. That is fantastic to hear. Not much has changed. Not much has changed like you've always been well? Yes. <laughs> That's great. Positive That's, attitude. That's the way to do it, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, All right. So the, the place we like to start since we we're talking about Willowbrook is to go back, think of your high school self, and sort of describe who were you back then 
sort of your personality, what activities you were involved in, things like that. Okay. Personality-wise, I consider myself an introvert, very self-conscious. I was introvert, but I also like to hang out, but mainly quiet. I was almost to the point it was painfully quiet at some point. But, you know, as you guys know, I was into athletics. That was my thing. I felt most at home when I was playing sports. So I did as most as I could when I could and tried to be the best at it as much as I could. And so that was like my comfort zone is athletics. Which sports did you play? See, freshman year, I wrestled and played football. Sophomore year, went back to basketball and football, then football and track the last two years. And you were good at these sports as well. Yeah. This wasn't just like, one might say you were head and shoulders above the team. You know, Jason Reader brings that up all still. <laughs> Jason okay, Dave, I got to tell the story. I do. So we had, a, we had a coach, Coach Majori, our sophomore year. We were up in Barrington, Illinois, and we were not doing well. We come into halftime and Coach Majori is like just ripping into everybody. Everyone's horrible. You guys aren't getting any effort. No one on this team is worth anything. No one can play except for Aaron. <laughs> except for Aaron Aaron Burns. It went something Aaron like Burns that. is head and shoulders above all of you. And like we're <laughs> sophomore high school basketball players sitting in the room. And Aaron, as you say, like he's an introvert. And like that's a, one of the last things he wants is like all the intention on him. And Jory rips into everybody and just says, like, Aaron is the one. And so, like, I don't, it wasn't immediately after, but pretty soon after, we just called him Has. I mean, we would just Mm -hmm. nonstop give him a hard time. Like, yeah, Yeah. we can't do anything well. Like, oh, man, maybe Aaron (laughs) could take care of this. But he did. It was, it was crazy. I mean, that's pretty. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, it was. We didn't come back. We didn't make like a, just, there's no story, end of the story where like we were inspired and oh, we came no. out and no, we lost pretty bad and it was a long bus trip home from Barrington. There's been better speeches. I'll put it that way. It was, exactly. <laughs> Aaron, out of the four sports you played, did you have a favorite? Football was the favorite, most definitely. I just like the team atmosphere aspect of it. You know, it wasn't even all about the games. It was also like the practices that we went to. Most of my closest friends, we all played football. So we're all in the same team in the grind together. And it was just, it was just fun. It was just a lot of fun. Who were those closest friends? It was my cousin James. Mark Buck was out there for a little while. Jack Miller was out there. At the time, I was pretty good friends with like Andrew Santilli. I knew Carver as well since we were little. Matt Roth. We all played sports together since we were young. So growing up and then kind of like making it to the, like the big stage of high school, playing high school varsity football together. After we've been involved in sports for so long together. It was just, it was a good time, a really good time. Any big moments of your football, football life that stick out, like a big game or a, a big play? Actually, one that, that does stand out, it was against Hinsdale South. And at the time, it was like the third highest scoring game in, in Illinois history. Oh, wow. Hmm. And it was in overtime. And... We had the ball. We had 10 yards to go. And if we scored, we won. And I remember Centelli, we're all in the huddle and we're dying. We're gassed. You know, we're hunched over, sweating and, and breathing. And Centelli just looks up at us in the huddle. He's like, look, man, we've rushed for over 250 yards this game. you telling me we can't get 10 more? And then everyone just kind of looked around at each other like, of course we can get 10 more. You know, we ran for over 250 yards. And honestly, 
the first play we went for nine yards. The next play, I think it was a quarterback sneak, and we won the game. It was like it was like bang bang, and that was it. It that was just something that's kind of stuck out because, like I said, it was a it was a big moment for us at the time, and to bring it down to scale, and then you know we come out on top, you know, victorious, you would say, and it was just good. What are you most proud of from your time at Wilbrook? I would say in track, I got second in state in the long jump, and at that point in time, I wasn't. I guess I wouldn't wouldn't be considered the second best jumper in the state, but I just happened to perform better that day than the rest of the field, except for the first person who got first, of course. Like I said, that was a pretty proud moment because it wasn't the best day to be out there, but I decided just to give it my all. And I ended up jumping better my second day than my first day, which everybody else jumped worse the second day. And that pushed me into the second place spot. And basically, you know, it just makes you believe that, hey, you know, if you keep trying, you try hard enough, you can accomplish more than you thought you could by giving it all whenever you can. Still hold that moment pretty close. So back in high school, being being an athlete, I wasn't, I don't have to call myself an athlete, one, one person who did sports <laughs> in high school. I'm talking to Aaron Burns. I'm not going to call myself I, an athlete. No, I, with, I'm with you. When I'm interviewing I wasn't going to say nothing, man. We're different nothing. levels here, man. We're different levels. My, I mean, I my love tennis to career does not does not compare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I won conference. I won conference. But I thought, wait, anyway, we're not going to go down. Yeah, I, well, I am. Anyways, a question: In high school, did you get nervous? Like when you're so you're 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 competing long jump in state. Are are you you feel the butterflies? Are you getting nervous? Or were you just kind of like, I see this task, I'm going to perform at my best, like I'm just going to go do it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, in that moment, there's nervous because you see other people who are not just as good as you are, but some that are even better than you are. But there were moments where, like I mentioned, my senior year when I was doing a long jump, it's like to kill those nerves, I was like, there, I got nothing to lose. There's nothing left. There's nothing else after this. You know, this is state for high school. You know, you. If you hold back now, then you're not really trying. So that's what basically it came down to. I'm just going to do my best so I know that whatever the outcome was, I know I tried my best and I didn't hold back. That's a great approach, man. Can you place where that came from? I would say like in my family, you know, pretty much all of us were athletes and we all kind of had that same mindset and mainly my brother who also went to Willowbrook. So he'll come to some of my sporting events and he'll be able to tell that Okay, you look like you weren't even trying on that one. You'll call me out. You know, mm. you know, you like this in front of everybody. He's like, Oh man, you gave up, man. What are you doing? And then when I think about it, it's like maybe I wasn't trying hard enough. And then that'll kind of eat away at me a little bit. And I guess I just developed that sense of, you know, you better try as hard as you can, otherwise you're just not gonna be satisfied with what you do, you know. If you come up short and you didn't try, then you know, what are you even out there for? Yeah. And I think so- having someone like a family member who knows you, right, who's not just saying it to say it, but kinda is a big thing. That's thanks for sharing. That's cool. Did you have a favorite teacher or coach? Favorite teacher? Well, it's got to be Majori, right? I mean, he's got to be your favorite coach because <laughs> he thinks so well. Of I you. would think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. Coaching wise, Coach Rousseau from my track coach was a really good coach. I liked him a lot. He really put in the effort to help me learn and grow, and you know, he can you can tell he really cared about the athletes. What's something? From high school that you regret? It would probably be quitting basketball my freshman year and joining wrestling. I kind of let some of my buddies convince me into joining wrestling because I wrestled when I was little. Like 
the Young Warriors in like fourth and fifth grade. And I, I did very well there. But uh, wrestling's a tough sport. Wrestling's the toughest sport I played, probably pretty much hands down. You got to really be into the sport in order to really enjoy it, you know, because there's cutting weight, the practices are tough. I mean, if you guys remember, Willowbrook was a wrestling school, you know, oh, yeah. we dominated in those years. Right. And, you know, I was also really good. I was more, I was better at basketball than I was at wrestling. I kind of wish I would have just maybe saw that through and see how, you know, well I would have actually been. That's tough, right? Because yeah, you, have to, you have to pick and there's, and you can't, there's a lot of sports that you were obviously good at pretty much anything you, you did. And so you got to pick one sport per season. You were voted most athletic in our, our senior poll. I was. So congratulations. I appreciate it. I'll still take that. But that's, yeah, I forgot all about that. I was, I was. Who was the girl that was voted most athletic? Is it Mecklenburg? I think so. Yeah. Katie Mecklenburg. Katie Mecklenburg. Did you go to prom, Aaron? I did go to prom. Who did you go with? Anishka Cicero. She was a junior. She was on the track team as well. I think we rented the longest limo in Illinois or something like that. <laughs> it was it was a stupid big. Like I don't even know why we even had all the whole thing. I think it was just like a, a status thing. It was our moment, end of the year, all suited up, looking nice. Go out there, hit the dance floor, you know, seeing all our people for the one last hoorah kind of kind of thing. Right, right. Did you date anyone in high school? Uh, a couple. Different times, Not, right? Different. A couple different times. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, different, at different times. At different say. times. <laughs> okay, Just clear the record there. <laughs> we got gotcha. you. Yeah. Were you and Anishka dating at the time? No, we weren't. I, I, I kind of was kind of like asking her out of the blue. I know she was surprised about it. You know, it was kind of weird because it was like at that point where like people started asking people for to the problem like super early. And then like all of a sudden, everyone that started asking one after another, like all the options started to go away. I'm like, hold on, man. I got I to lock something down before. Exactly. <laughs> before yeah. Late, you know, like, what's going on here? You know, you guys are jumping the gun. So you're graduated. You're in that. That beautiful powder blue gown, 18 years old, right? Mm-hmm. What was the next step for you? I honestly didn't have clear direction. I knew I wanted to continue to play sports and I knew I should go, I should at least do something and go to college. Basically how my family structured things is, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to college, you got to be doing something. And honestly, when it came to college sports, I honestly didn't know how to work. You know, my father never went to college and he wasn't much help in terms of, you know, seeing schools or like schools that were recruiting me or whatever. Yeah, I, honestly, I didn't know what I was doing. And and at that point, like time was just kind of slipping by while I was trying to figure it out. And then, you know, the fallback was you know, just go to college DuPage for a couple of years and then figure it out there. So you weren't recruited, you know, while you were in high school, you weren't being recruited by any colleges at that time. Actually, I was, and I guess this can kind of go back to one of the things I regret. I, I wish I was a little bit more aggressive in pursuing some of those, but I honestly, I just didn't know better. I didn't know exactly how it was supposed to go because people were telling me, oh, yeah, it's, you know, college is going to be reaching out. They're going to come to see you. They're going to offer you scholarships. And it didn't quite happen that way. So when it didn't happen that way, I'm like, I just thought something was wrong. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not that good. So I really didn't have a fallback after that. And knowing what I know now, if I would have more aggressively pursued some some of those schools, I would have been able to play at some of those schools. But I just didn't know. I just didn't have to know how. I really didn't. Yeah, because that's. I mean, that's surprising. Because you know, as we said, like you were, you were voted most athletic, and that was for a reason. I mean, you were really, 
really talented. You you were motivated. You pushed yourself. You were you're up to the challenge. So you went to COD. You went to college at DuPage. Yeah, yeah. And they have a football team, right? Yeah, I actually started playing football there, and it was going pretty well. And like my father and I kind of had a, like a little falling out at that around that time. Mainly, some of it was a lot of it was my fault. I give it that. You know, I was pretty much growing too big for my britches. You know, chest was puffing out type of thing, and I ended up leaving the house, getting an apartment, moved in with Jack Miller. You know, we were going to school and working full time, trying to make that balance. But we worked for VIP Valet. We were parking cars. Let me dig in since I, I spent some years working Valet as well. What type of places accounts were you working? Well, we started at Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg. Okay. During Christmas time. Oh, hold on. I think I did that too, starting as like a junior during Christmas. Yeah. So you pick up the car, you drive out to this, you know, the very farthest edge of the mall. You park the car and then you wait there and then they've got this like white cargo van that was like making a loop and they would bring you back to the front. To the van, you go back. Yeah. Right. Did you do just in college or did you do high school as well? I did high school as well. Yeah. It was like the same thing around Christmas time. Yeah. yeah. So we were probably working there at the same time. I remember it getting so backed up at some point, like the entire mall is just in a gridlock, right? Like, you know, Black Friday or leading up to, to Christmas, you get out to this lot and then it's not like you can quickly drive back. So people were waiting, you know, 45 minutes, an hour to get their car back. Yeah, it was brutal, man. People valet parked while they were at the mall. Well, it seems like a great idea when you first arrive, right? Because there's no parking anywhere. You just pull up to the front door. You know, you're like a, a baller. You're like, here you go. Here's the keys. And then you go shop. You don't think that when you come out, then you're screwed because <laughs> you got to wait 45 minutes to get your car. Like you said, it was yeah. gridlocked around the whole thing. You know, it's a big circle around the mall. And it was just completely gridlocked, especially if it snowed. I basically learned how to drive stick shift in some guy's Jeep <laughs> oh, <laughs> because there was there was nobody to pull, take the car back and everything was grid like, like, dude, you need to get this car back up here. I killed it like 15 times on the way there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I burned it up a little bit like because I was just riding first gear as long as I could. Yeah, I drive stick now. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> now, you're, now he's a pro. That's awesome. Okay, so you're working valet. You're going to school. Living in the apartment living in the apartment with Jack. Yeah, we were out in West Chicago and it was kind of a drive to get back from school because we worked downtown as well. So we drove from West Chicago downtown to uh, like Mike Dicker's restaurant. We were working at Mike Dicker's restaurant. But then we ended up moving into Lombard, which put us really close to COD, which allowed me to get back into sports because at the time where we were at, I, I couldn't play football or anything. It just took up way too much time. So I ended up quitting football so I had like a year break. And then when we moved to Lombard, I was able to join track and I was happy to do so. I was back in my element running track and things just got better from there. Did you kind of dominate? I feel like, you know, your level of skill would tend to go to, you know, colleges that focus more on, on sports traditionally. So at community level, I, f I feel like you would have just killed everybody. I did very well. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thank you. Won nationals five to nine and five different events there. We won nationals as a team there. But I mean, College DuPage was a really big school, you know, for junior college. It was the biggest right. in the country. We actually competed against some of the larger schools just to have that level of competition. So when we got the nationals, you know, we usually knocked it out the park. So how long were you at, at COD then? I think a total of three, three years, because like most. I'm not going to say most, but some people when they're freshman year, I just 
completely blew it, but I quickly got my act together after that. And I actually became a better student in college than I was ever in high school. Hmm. So three years into it, and then then what happens? And then I was at the end of my career at COD. A coach that had a COD, he talked to his college coach in Iowa at Ashford University, said, hey, come take a look at this guy. He's looking to continue on. They gave me a call. He came out and visited me. We spoke for a little bit and went to visit the school. It was a small school, but they're Division Two in AI. And they're like, hey, if you come here, we'll, we'll give you a scholarship to run for your last two years. And I took it. Nice. And continue my track career there, which I was happy about because I was still kind of debating like, man, you know, what am I going to do after this? Am I going to like take out these loans? How are we going to pay for it? I actually looked into going into the military. Yeah, she went in, took the test for the Marines and everything. And I know that recruiter was extremely pissed because at the same time, I was actually about to sign paperwork to go into the Marines. I got the call from the school saying, hey, we want you to come here, scholarship money. Can you come this semester? I said, yes. Next week, I'm out in Iowa. <laughs> and I got the recruiter calling me. Hey, you got to come in. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I took the scholarship to run, finish running track. And then he was just blowing up my phone trying to get me to come back. He actually called the recruiters out in Iowa to try to get me. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, look, look, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm running. I'm running track out here. You know, I'm on a scholarship and they're just kind of like, all right, all right, we'll leave you alone. Then that was the end of it. So you're, you're running track at Ashford. What events were you doing? I was mainly a triple jumper and a high jumper. Those mm-hmm. were my two events. And I love them both. I really like the high jump. Took a lot of, lot of skill, timing, and precision. To, to really do a high jump because you're not just jumping for height, you're also jumping for accuracy. You remember your PB? I was a seven footer in college. <gasps> you put your whole body over seven feet. Yeah. But it, I mean, there's much, there's people who do much more. You were jumping off a trampoline? Is that? No, no trampoline. And just... How tall are you? How tall are you? Six one. Yeah. Wow. If we went out right now, if Dave and I said, hey, we're driving, we're coming over to your place, and we're going to hold a broomstick out in the back, how high do you think you could go today? Oh, <laughs> I don't even like thinking about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't even like thinking about it. I won't make you answer that. We'll just say yeah, seven. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, rough. yeah, maybe like 6'11". He might have he slipped a little yeah. bit since his peak, yeah. What were you studying while you were, were going to school? I... Majored in social justice and it had like a criminal justice background. Okay. And so then you graduate? I graduate from Ashford University, moved back home. I stayed with my dad for a short period of time. I ended up getting a job at a security company because I was aiming in towards going to law enforcement at that time. Then at that point in time, it was actually really difficult because it was like that. 07, 08, where everything was going horribly bad for everybody in the world or in America. Mm-hmm. And nobody was hiring. Nobody was hiring. I'm talking like Chicago Police Department, they didn't put out a test since like 06 at this time. And it's like 08, 09. And it took them until 2012 to really start hiring. And I mean, they didn't hire anybody for that point really? in time. Same with wow. the Cook County Sheriff's. They didn't hire anybody. And all these departments, they have this influx of people trying to you know get on their their eligibility list 
and they're only their eligibility is maybe 20 people deep, maybe 50. And they're saying they're going to hire one person in in the next two years. After a while, it was really starting to get discouraging because it's just you're not making any ground anywhere. There's so much competition. It's nuts. But then as you're kind of unraveling a little bit, Chicago Police Department says they're going to start hiring. Cook County Sheriff says they're going to start hiring. So there's some hope now. They hire hundreds of people at a time, multiple times throughout the year. So Jack and I, we both took the test for sheriffs and for CPD. I ended up getting onto the sheriff's department first. So I was at the Cook County Sheriff's Department. And then after a couple of years there, I transferred over to the Chicago Police Department. So what year did you, did you get a job with the sheriffs? It took till 2012. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's almost four years of security. And uh, for about five years. Four or yeah. five years of security yeah. and kind of waiting. Security and waiting. I mean, at the time I also had security. I mean, I was getting promoted and, you know, advancing through there, but it also, that had a ceiling in itself because they kind of knew what my intentions were from the beginning. So like, they would only let me go so far because you're like, you know, we're not going to put you in this position if you're just looking to leave. So, so that was frustrating too. So when I actually get hired at Cook County, I mean, people complained about Cook County, like, oh, you know, I would never want to work there or people didn't like working there. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. I just got like a $20,000 raise and full benefits. Like I was so thirsty for a job at that point. I was, I was doing great. As you're getting hired in 2012, where are you living? What is, what does that look like? Last time you were in the area, you were living with Jack. Are you living with Jack again? Yes. We moved down. We actually moved to the city. Are you still living with Jack? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, that the ending, Dave. Okay. We actually lived together for a very long time, like off okay. and on. We we did. It was somewhat was out of necessity because he needed a place to live, and I needed a place to live. We couldn't live at home anymore. And you've got similar goals too, and I mean that's got to be like, right? Both of you are struggling not not struggling because of yourselves, but struggling in this this atmosphere where no one's hiring, like. It's got to be somewhat consoling that, like, you're not alone in this. Yeah, at this point, we're actually living with Ron Bermia as well. He got thrown into the mix, and we moved into the city. And, I mean, that was a good move. We, we needed to be somewhere active where there was more stuff going on. And so what, what were you doing when you first started at the sheriff's department? I was in corrections. I was in the jails. I worked in the dorms, where they call the dorms, where it's a, a big, basically like a big dorm room, like this with 50 detainees in there you know i'm responsible for keeping track of them and making sure things don't get out of hand it was definitely a learning experience what do you mean by that what were you learning well the first thing i learned is people are freaking nuts <laughs> that's, what, that's what i learned like people are nuts man like it's absolutely insane yeah you just see a lot you learn a lot you learn what to do and what not to do and you you see basically some some of the worst of the worst and you just basically learn how to deal with it. And so when was it that you moved to CPD? 2013, June of 2013. So it was shortly after I get hired at the Cook County Sheriff's, you know, they end up hitting me up and everyone's like, yeah, you got to take that, you know, because one, they paid more, which was, of course, a benefit, but always a plus. But I like being outside as well, you know, because when you're in the corrections, you're inside with these guys. And I mean, quite honestly, like I could feel myself losing some of my intelligence. <laughs> like, like you start speaking like those guys inside the jail. 
And there, and I can, I recall there were moments when I'm speaking to someone outside of the jail and they don't really fully understand what it's like to be in a correction. And like, I'm speaking to them and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sounding like these guys that are locked up in jail. And I mean, I'm trying to speak intelligently to them, but like there's words I used to know that I didn't know anymore because I just wasn't, you know, wasn't like you use it or you lose it. Yeah. Vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it was just like, I'm like, man, I got to get out of here. <laughs> like, this is not good for me. Like, I got to get out of here. So I did. And it's just been good from there. It's been better. Yeah. And then so you moved to CPD and, and what were you doing there? CPD, I was, you know, the rookie on the streets. We did our foot patrol after our training. Basically, they had a bunch of probationary officers. They're called PPOs. And we basically were just walking around the neighborhoods and what they call their violent boxes or violent zones where there's some recent heavy crime, you know, that's been happening. I was on the South side and yeah, we were just walking in the streets. Just, wow. this, we had like a certain block radius and we had to stay in there and we walked back and forth. Sometimes we had a vehicle and we'd be in the cars just trolling around. But yeah, we were, we we're a bunch of, bunch of probationary officers. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just out there, you know, <laughs> it was freaking nuts. <laughs> we had to go out there and try to clean up some of what they called the, quality of life crimes, guys that are hanging out in front of the abandoned houses, the 20 deep, 30 deep, guys hanging out on the corners, drinking, you had the hypes and the alleys, ODing and stuff like that. You know, try to get them out of there, keep people moving around because that just leads to other crime. Wow. So you're, you're not walking around a neighborhood anymore. Where have you moved up to now? I am currently in City Hall. So it's a very low key spot. I'm on a fifth floor at the mayor's office. It's one of those hard spots that's, that's, that doesn't easy come by. You know, it's a phone call that I get to come over there and I took it. But before then, you know, I worked in different districts and different units. I was on a tag team for a while. That was a whole lot of fun because once again, it was like that team atmosphere. Did you say a tag team? Tag team. Tactical? Tactical unit. Oh, tactical. Got it. Yeah, sorry. Not like a tag team like in wrestling. Not, where they're not in wrestling. Wrestling. Okay. No, no, not coming That's off the ropes, you know what I'm saying? Less effective. Less effective. <laughs> you, you wrestled in high school, you know? I, yeah. I figured, Yo, okay. you're putting two and two together there. It's like, oh, tag team. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you're on the, the tactical division. You did that for a while. Yeah, I did that for a while. That was a lot of fun. Like I said, I had a, a good team that was on, grew a good group of guys. It was a lot of excitement that was happening going back and forth, you know, racing through the streets getting a lot of experience that way but yeah but it gets old after a while and it's also very dangerous you know so as you get older and you know you start having a family come into play and you start thinking about things of that nature it's just you know you try to find a place where you can calm down a little bit yeah if i could just go back a little bit you said in 2012 or or at some point it was you jack and ron bermia were you with ron were you were you living with ron when he when he passed no Ron had moved in with a girlfriend of his at the time and it wasn't too long after we had separated before that happened. I mean, for those who didn't know, he died in a motorcycle accident coming after work. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had to get the call in the morning time and he was in a hospital for about a week in a coma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we're all, you know, I was there every day and everyone else was coming when they could. And they yeah, just couldn't make it back after that. That was a rough one, man. It, it took a while to not even necessarily get over, but just to recoup from. We have a, a few, I mean, several classmates that, at different times that have 
have died since we graduated. And I think, you know, you know, we're, we're 38 and just even at this age, right. It still just seems too, you know, just too young. I mean, you just don't, it yeah, reminds absolutely. you that, you know, yeah. so anyways, just want to see where you were with that. Yeah, that's where we were. It's, I mean, it was, it sucked because at that time, I, I mean, I know Ron since I was eight years old, you know, and we've been hanging out ever since. It's not like we ever lost touch. So to lose him that way, it was just, that was just rough, man. It really was. Very tragic. One of the reasons you said it's good to move into the, the job you do have now is, you know, as you, as one has a family. So you have a family? I do have a family. I have two little ones. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Ah. I am also married. I'm not, as, I'm not married as long as you guys. You guys are some <laughs> veterans in the game. We're, we're pushing about six years now. That's going okay. on that's, seven. That's enough. <laughs> that's yeah. a good number. Good number. How did you and your spouse meet? We met online. Yeah, we met on Match, and it was actually like towards the end of like, it was like a three month subscription that I had, and it was like towards the end of it. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this. And she, and she ended up hitting me up on there right before it ended. So we started dating after that, and the rest is history, you know. She's from Michigan. She's a real good girl. She was a gymnast at UIC. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's a all American gymnast, might I add. Wow. At so who UIC, can jump higher? UIC. That's the question. No, oh, I got her on that. Okay. I got her on that. But if you want to ask who can do a handstand longer, she's got me by a mile. But so, yeah, I'm guessing your kiddos are just like jumping all over the place. That is absolutely correct. And it doesn't <laughs> end. <laughs> the energy is insane. They're all, they're bouncing off the walls. They're constantly jumping all over the place. But it's to be expected, I guess. Yeah. The next generation of athletic burns. Yeah. There you go. So, question around the, your time kind of on the force you mentioned there's some crazy stuff you see kind of on the negative side is there is there something you remember kind of a, a positive where maybe you made a difference or you saw something that was sort of uplifting there's a couple cases actually there was one that kind of sticks out because i felt really bad for this couple our father was watching watching the kids he ended up falling asleep in the unit and uh, she was like four years old four-year-old girl she was deaf she ended up leaving the house while he was sleeping. We were driving and we got waved down. She was like outside screaming hysterically. She waves us down and she's saying, hey, you know, my daughter's gone. She's deaf. She's about this tall. She left. We don't know how long ago. He fell asleep, whatever. He's hysterically crying. She's screaming like, like nothing in the middle of the street. So I get on the radio and start giving a description of the girl over the, over the radio. And as I'm giving a description, Another unit comes up and they're like, hey, squad, that looks like the, that sounds like the girl we have at the hospital right now. They found a, a girl just run, wandering around in the street. So they took her to the hospital. So we took the mom to the hospital and sure enough, it was her daughter that they found like, uh, like an hour or two ago. Um, and she just could not be thankful enough. Like, mm. like. I almost had to like fight her off from keeping her from hugging me so much. <laughs> it's like, like lady, you know, I understand. I get it. You know, be with your daughter. You don't have to hug me no more, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it felt good because you could see the amount of relief in her face once we, once she heard that we had already located her. I guess in another case, I was working in a unit where we went to different districts and they had us doing like the, a lot of the quality of life types of crime, you know, getting people from to stop drinking at the bus stops or whatever. And there was a certain corner that a lot of 
vagrants would sit there, they'll drink or they'll do drugs or whatever, and they'll just post up at the bus stop. Well, we kept giving them tickets. Some of them got arrested more than a few times. But after a while, you know, the corner was clear. And we went back past the corner just to see if anybody was there. And a lady who was sitting at the bus stop, she goes, they're all gone. And we're like, well, yeah, yeah, they don't come around here no more. She's like, I thank you because now I can actually use this bus stop. You know, before I had to stand around the corner because they would say nasty things to me. Sometimes I'd be afraid of them. And even if it's raining, I wouldn't be able to stand under the bus shelter because they would be there drinking or doing whatever. But I had to take a couple of buses just to get back and forth from work. And I thank you because now I can sit here at the bus stop and I don't have to worry about them no more. And it was very simple, but it makes actually made me feel like I did something that actually made a difference to somebody else. That's a great story. Did you have kids at the time with your story with, with the girl that, that went missing? No, I didn't have kids at that time yet. Does thinking about those stories or interactions now involving kids, now that you have kids, does that change your perspective on it? Absolutely. All the calls that I had that involved kids, it, it just hits a little bit deeper now. It brings a different level of emotion that gets tied into it because you see it and you can feel it as a parent. And some of the things you think like, how could you possibly even do this to a child? And that there's been times where you, you just kind of have to walk away, like, you know, get this person out of my face because I might snap on this person because there's some ugly stuff that happens out there. Some of the neglect that you see with some of the kids, it's rough. Yeah. And as you said about the facility you're at, whatever environment you're in is going to affect you over time. That's got to be tough. It's got to be affecting to anyone who's, who's doing that, who's serving in that way. Yeah, it, it's taxing. People don't realize it's happening to them, but it is. And I think that's kind of where, like, I guess departments might fall short because these people are being affected in ways that you don't necessarily see up front. That's why, you know, the suicide rates for, for officers is incredibly high. You know, a couple of years ago, we were averaging like maybe one or two a month. You know, an officer was taking her own life. And it's it's not just the job, but there's other, you know, components of life that's going wrong, too. And it just piles up on somebody. And there's been people I personally knew that took their own life and I just did not see it coming. I honestly didn't. I was just shocked when I when I heard about it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, both for those in law enforcement and in the military. I think sometimes we're just so thankful for like the effort of the service and we forget that like these aren't robots doing a job. Like these are human Mm -hmm. beings that are affected by this. One of the things I don't think people always think about. They just they think about the good that those in law enforcement or military do, which is awesome. But you also gotta remember that like that good comes at a cost. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. All right. Let's see. What would your high school self think of your current self? Man, you are old, dude. (laughs) I would say my 18-year-old self, I guess, would be happy for the stuff that I have. There would probably be a lot of questions about what happened in between, because I know my 18-year-old self would probably be wondering, you know, what happened to the like professional athletic career. But what I have now is something that I always wanted when I was younger. So the house, the family, the kids, being financially stable, because I wasn't so much when I was younger. But I think you'd be happy for the most part. And I guess that kind of takes me on to like answering the question of, you know, what did happen to the, you know, professional career? Because I kind of had that in my mind that I could, you know, I can probably, I can go pro in anything. I honestly think I might be better off that I did it because I can definitely see myself being someone who went broke 
like immediately after your professional career. I was not responsible with money. And I could see myself being in a worse position than I am now if I were to actually play pro career somewhere. It's interesting when I thought about it, I'm like, I honestly, I think I might be better. I would think I'd be worse off. I honestly think I would be. That is a level of maturity right there. You know, you weren't, you weren't ready to have multi-million dollar contracts thrown at you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would have been, man, honestly. And I think it kind of shows you what, what success is, right? Like what is achievement? You know, it's not just about money. You know, it's about growth of, of who you are and you can see that as you've taken this path. You know, you've talked about different trials, different things you've discovered in these years since. Like what is what is one thing you've discovered that makes you happier? Honestly, over the years I've just become comfortable with who I am and what I'm doing in life. And I think having that comfort really just made made a happier me. Because mm-hmm. for a while, like I was always trying to, you know, younger, I was definitely trying to keep a certain image or chase a certain image or, you know, reach a certain status. And it was really for appearance purposes. And once I pretty much let that go, stopped trying to be something that I want people to see me as, like as, as just as an image versus really who I am and just let myself be me, it really did change the world for me. Totally. Yeah, that's great. What's a point of view or a belief that you held fairly strongly in high school that you've since changed your mind about? Like you said, our measurement of measurement of level of success back then for me was money. You know, how much money I can get, you know, you know, the fame, popularity, that was a measurement of success for me. And it that's that's no longer that, you know. And I've grown a lot more outside of that measurement of success and knowing that there are different aspects of life that I can grow in. And not just for me, but for the people around me, especially with the family, that that's what's more important to me now than the image of myself is basically growing the people around me. I think that's an amazing place to leave it. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for for hanging out and, and doing this with us. Well, I appreciate you guys. It was fun thinking back. Yeah, it's been great. 